Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Lord, thank you for Elizabeth. Thank you for her life. Thank you for her story and the parts that she's going to share today. We just pray that you would be with her. You would give her your peace and her confidence, your confidence. And pray, Lord, that as we listen, Lord, that you would speak to us as well. Of things in our lives, Lord, that you want to touch on. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, well, hello. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm actually going to read from my notes. I'm already teary, so this is going to be fun. (laughs) What an incredible task it's been to prepare for, for this talk. I have been asked to share something of my life and the faith, my faith journey. The problem is, what part do I share? My life has been eventful. It has been full of heartbreak and loss. There have been the downright weird events. And there have been the result of poor judgment, wrong decisions and naivety on my behalf. And then there has been love and laughter too. And there, sitting in amongst it all, there has been God. There are so many stories and so many verses. Now, for some strange reason, I've always thought, always had it in the back of my mind, that one day I would write my memoirs. And to add it to this, someone in this church has actually given me a prophetic word that one day I would write a book that would help people. So perhaps this morning's talk is a bit of a preview. In thinking about the title of my memoir, my most recent title is Still Standing in Spite of and Still Standing Because of. So if you don't know me well, Here's a quick snapshot of my life. I love the colour green. It has to be (laughs) tropical green. I'm a foodie. I'm a dog lover. I'm an artist. I love to travel. And I'm always up for an adventure. At the age of 20, I began my love of travel by leaving home and living in London and travelling Europe the Eastern Blocks and Scandinavia. I grew up in a Christian family and gave my life to Jesus at the age of 10. However, I I only really began to have him as a personal saviour at the age of 21 after, after coming home from that time in England. There have been three loves in my life. All of them came to an end with heartbreak and loss. One of them I supported through a time of incarceration. One of them I married and then divorced. The last one, which was 14 years ago, brought betrayal and abandonment and trauma. I don't have children of my own, but I am a surrogate mum to many and they fill my heart with joy. 
I live with my mum, who is on her own. We have a good relationship, we have a laugh, and we cry, and we support each other. Mum and Dad were divorced when I was 25. He remarried and now lives in Pittwater. I have a brother who lives way out west in New South Wales. His name happens to be Phil Hensby. Now, this, this Phil is not to be confused with the other Phil that we all know and love. That Phil that we know and love is like a brother to me, but he doesn't tease me as much as my real one. <laughs> my happy place is in the garden. And I'm presently studying a Certificate 3 in horticulture at Ride TAFE. I have a love for children and have a Bachelor of Teaching in early childhood. God seems to have given me the ability to create a deep connection with children. At present, I'm working in a local preschool at Hornsby Heights as a support worker two days a week. It's a temporary contract working with children with additional needs and for children, and to work with children for whom English is a second language and need emotional support. I have a strong value on social justice for children in the developing countries. In 2005, I followed God's calling into Christian ministry, a Christian ministry called Children with Hope, as a volunteer. We were a training organisation that felt called to educating adults in developing countries how to better care for orphans and vulnerable children in their care. The two countries we focused on were Thailand and Uganda. In these countries, we partnered with local organisations and conducted conferences, big and small, for a week to two weeks at a time. For example, in 2008, we ran a conference in partnership with the Thai Government Department of Social Welfare and with TIER Australia. Approximately 350 people attended. Most of those were Thai Government employees, but 100 or so were expats from around the world working as missionaries in Thailand with local children. My role in the organisation was diverse. But one of them was to, to lecture the subjects of child development and child behaviour. I found it so humbling and a privilege to have been chosen to play a part in educating the carers of children and thus providing an opportunity for children to blossom and grow in the way God had intended. Another part of the ministry was a six-week course where international students who would join us while we were in Thailand. They came to learn about the plight of children at risk around the world. My involvement with Children with Hope went for about three and a half years, to, from 2005 to 2008. Initially, I was based with the founders in Victoria, but after one of my life events, I came back to Sydney to have the support of my family and friends, and I continued remotely. Unfortunately, this season finished before I was ready. There was mismanagement of funds and a lack of staff. I now entered a season of confusion and was pretty angry with God. However, during that time with Children with Hope, 
I discovered a form of psychotherapy called play therapy. Essentially, it is a mental health intervention or counselling with children. Between 2010 and 2014, I completed my postgraduate diploma in play therapy. The verse that has overarched my life is Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will speak, you will speak to me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Through everything that has happened, through all of those why has this happened moment, these three verses have held me together. God may not have been, may not have planned all the horrible events, but he had, has a plan on how to use them for his good. So today I would like to share the most recent event in more detail. It happened three years ago in 2016 when I suffered severe burnout and PTSD. I had been working as a play therapist out in the western suburbs of Sydney with, with children of domestic violence and abuse for about four years. Two and a half years of that, I was actually living in Penrith. The client's stories who were between the age of three and 12, were horrendous and disturbing. The family's needs for help were insurmountable. I had high expectations of myself and in, and in an industry where I felt really out of my depth. I was overworked by my manager and I attended a local church, but I felt really isolated. I really missed my friends and family. At the same time, I had begun planning to move to Cambodia as a full-time missionary. My application was in the process of being approved to work with an agency that works with street kids and sexually abused. One morning after a night of anxiety, night sweats and dark thoughts, I found myself sitting curled up in a ball on my couch, not wanting to live. I called a close friend and colleague. She picked me up and brought me home to mum, who cared for me. I was physically, emotionally, mentally exhausted. I had lost all hope in life. I felt numb and couldn't cope in social situations. I was hypervigilant about the smallest of things. I would sit and stare out the window for hours on end. I lost 13 kilos. I returned to Northridge, limping from battle fatigue. The welcome I received was overwhelming. Are you back? Was said excitedly to me as I walked in the door. Hello, it's lovely to see you. I was home. Exhale. 
over a long period of time surrounded by God's love in action. Many of you loved me and prayed for me, even when I didn't want it. Back to health. Rightly, I had professional support as well. A local Christian doctor who understood mental health and a Christian counsellor who had been a friend and colleague previously. Ever the gardener, I began to watch the seasons. Nature has a way of telling you life is on the move. You are not stuck in the now. And this crisis going on around you, it's going to move on. In the spring, there will be new life. Like the garden, I slowly began to come back to life. During this time, I wrestled with many questions. One of them was, what now? Everything I'd ever hoped and dreamed for personally and professionally had been taken away. I was 47. What did my future hold? There was nothing to live for. I knew God was there, even though I couldn't feel him. Even though I felt like I didn't have the capacity to talk to him. So I began to read prayers out of a book called Prayers of Hope and Healing. One day, while I had multiple questions going around in my, in my brain about what I would do in life, I heard God whisper in my ear, your purpose is just to be my child, to love me and to love my people. It sounds simple now, but it was a revelation at the time. Oh my goodness, I don't need to be anything. I just need to be me, to be still, to rest in Jesus. Coming from a family where your self-worth and love is attained by how hard you work, this is revolutionary. I don't need to perform or live up to expectations to have have God's love. The Bible says in Psalms 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I love the analogy that in the dark valley that you find the best compost. (laughs) With good compost, you grow beautiful gardens. Hosea 2, verse 15 says, God is the only one who can turn the valley of trouble into a door of hope. My latest plan, which has sprouted out of this last season is to start a business in a home where children can come and have therapy in a garden, where women's retreats can be held, where people can come and be still, meet with God and be healed. I am a true believer that every dark cloud has a silver lining. I am so grateful to God walking with me through each and every every experience I've been through because without them and him I would not be the woman I am today 
So finally, if any of, any of the things that you've heard me speak about this morning has concerned you or struck a chord with you, I wonder if you would be brave enough to seek someone to pray for you after the service. Let's just pray for Elizabeth after that amazing testimony. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for that verse. For I know the plans I have for you. And we thank you that you want to continue to prosper, Elizabeth. And that uh, your plans for her future are good. Thank you for the way that you have woven your love through her life. And thank you for her bravery in standing today and sharing it with us. And we pray your protection over her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Elizabeth. And uh, next we've got Mike. Mike Campbell, come on down. <laughs> Mike has always got a smile and an encouraging word, which I, which I love. So, uh, but I'm um, looking forward to hearing more about Mike the man. <laughs> Lord, I, I just pray that you'll be with Mike now, that you'll, um, that you'll calm his heart and his mind. And... Um, yeah, just that, uh, that you'll bless him as he shares um, part of his story with us now. In Jesus' name. Thank you. It's lovely to be here and um, I'm excited and overwhelmed to be able to share this morning. And uh, I just got to say, this is an awesome, awesome church. And it really is. And we've got such amazing leaders here and such amazing people. So we are the body of Christ, which is fantastic. Um, during the worship time, which was awesome this morning. Thank you, Rob. I got to see people around praying for different people, and I thought, we're just doing the stuff that God wants us to do. And I was quite just, kept shaking my head throughout the worship. Every single song that we spoke about was literally what I'm talking about today. <laughs> and I never ceased to amaze me how amazing God is. And what I want to talk to, to you this morning about is the goodness and the kindness of God and how that's been displayed in my life. And like Elizabeth, thank you very much for sharing. I'll probably get overwhelmed and emotional at times, so please forgive me. Um, I was brought up in a very kind and loving but non-Christian home. And for some reason, when I was about to enter year 11 at school, my parents decided to move me from a Catholic school I was attending to Pacific Hills Christian School, which was um, unusual when you weren't in a Christian family. Anyway, I went off to this to Pacific Hills and I was instantly struck at how strange everybody was. <laughs> everybody just seemed to pray all the time and talk about Jesus all the time. And I thought, man, these people are weird. And because I had, was brought up in a Christian, as I said, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I knew who God was as I knew about God, but I didn't know anything intimate or personal about him. I just knew that there was a God, and I did believe that. I mean, after a number of months, my, intru- my thoughts and beliefs started to, to move to more intrigue about why are these people different? And there was a peace that I saw upon a lot of the people at school, and it really got me thinking and asking a bunch of questions. And long story short, I got sucked into the vortex of terror and gave my life to Jesus. <laughs> which was a fantastic thing. 
I was incredibly fortunate that as a young believer, I had a lot of friends around who were quite mature in their faith. And I had a really good bunch of role models who showed me and demonstrated to me what it was like to walk with Jesus. And I knew instantly, I instantly believed everything that was in the Bible. I knew that it was relevant today as it was then. But I also knew that God was interested in me and he's interested in you. And he wants us to walk in a deep, personal and intimate relationship with him. Um, I was very, very fortunate to have been introduced to the vineyard at a very, very young age. Um, There was a a holiness conference in 1991 in Sydney, for anybody who attended, John Wimber and John White and Jack Deere and others. And I was invited to go, but reluctantly I said no. However, the friends that invited me had the wisdom to buy the cassettes and I was given a copy and listened to them over and over and over again. And it was in that listening to those testimonies and those stories and that journey that I knew that God, what he intended for us. And I knew I was very, very fortunate from a very early age to have known the intimacy and the depth of Christ in my life. I would feel his presence a lot and just had a real overwhelming sense of who I was in Jesus, which was just tremendous. Um, In 1993, my life changed rather dramatically. I met my wife and we got married um, 10 months later and a lot happened. So I was sort of obviously conscious of time, so I'll sort of shorten, fast track a few things. But I got on and started doing life and did lots of different things. From I went to Bible college full time and worked in ministry for several years, got badly burnt out. And then decided, that's it, I'm going to get a job in the real world. But then the Lord was able to use me in that place too, more powerfully than I could ever ever have hoped or imagined. But in 2002, Jen and I decided to embark on an adventure and we moved to the UK. We had only intended to go for one, maybe two years, but we ended up staying for six because a few things happened which I want to share about today. Um, We had a wonderful time in the UK and the amazing thing was uh, we were still very much tracking with the Lord as as I'd always done in my life and I had, as I said before, had a real overwhelming sense of who I was and I trusted in the Lord for everything in my life. That was what I had really hoped to do. But um, in 2004, all of that was to be put to the test. We were living in Edinburgh, which is an amazing city for those who have been And we decided we'd want to start and try and have a family. Fortunately, or unfortunately, first time, off we went, and we were very, very blessed to know that we were expecting a a child. I'll never forget the day we we didn't own a car, so we hopped in the taxi, and off we went to the the sonographer. That's the person who does the scanning. And Jen, unfortunately, had to go on a full bladder, because that's what I think women have to do. And so the woman did the scanning, and she didn't say a lot. It was very quiet. Then she said to Jen, you can go off to the, to the bathroom. And as she was on the way to the bathroom, I said to the sonographer, is everything looking okay? And she said to me, I'll wait till your wife returns. And my heart sort of sank, and I had this knot inside my stomach. Anyway, again, when Jen came back, she sat us back both down. She looked very serious, and she, said, she looked us in the eye and said, your baby is oozing organs. Um, so I was shocked, um, overwhelmed, and thought, what, is, what does that mean, 
oozing organs. What does that mean? So she explained that there was a, a, a defect in the abdominal wall ca ca um, cavity and organs were passing in and out from the stomach to the umbilical cord. And we just were hit like a ton of bricks. We just didn't know what it meant. We both limped out of the, uh, out of the, the scanning room and we were told that we'd have to go up to the big hospital to have more detailed scans and it could be two weeks to wait. So we just were kind of devastated, I guess, would be a good word to describe it. The funny thing is, the Lord knows our journey and he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And the funny thing is, we often get overwhelmed by fears and strife and trouble. And as Christians... We are not immune to pain and heartbreak and discouragement, but we've got an amazing example and we've got a way forward in Jesus. So um, we were very fortunate. Um, obviously our joy and excitement turned to, to fear and devastation. But later that day, we actually got an appointment up at the big hospital, so we didn't have to wait two weeks, which was quite wonderful. Um, we... Had, um, we met with uh, an obstetrician up there who was quite, quite good. And they, my, as I remember sitting in the room there thinking, I hope that this woman's got it wrong, this sonographer. Hopefully she's got it wrong and there's no issue. But it turns out there was, and it was called exomphalus, um, for those who, who know the medical term. We weren't really sure what to expect. And while you've got a, a little fetus in the womb it's, and it's only three months old, it's very difficult to know what the outcome's going to be after nine or nine and a half months. But we were sort of prepped and told that we'd probably expect a journey of about four to six months in hospital would be, would be good, and potentially lots of ongoing care and drama for the rest of um, the baby's natural life. So that was a little bit hard to deal with too. Um, so throughout the whole time... My instant thought was, Lord, why do you allow this to happen? You know, I thought that the, in Romans 8 it says that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And my instant thought was not to panic, but to really genuinely press into the Lord and say, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you in all of this? I could not help but see God's kindness and his goodness throughout our whole time. We, um, Jen was scanned about every four weeks and through different connections we were um, put in contact with one of the top obstetricians in the whole of Britain, um, a wonderful man, and we went to see him and he said, would you, would you like to transfer your care over to, um, to the hospital in Glasgow? We were living in Edinburgh. So we said absolutely because we knew we were in the best human hands possible and we thought absolutely we'd love to do that. I remember one particular day, we were in um, having a scan, and the Lord's presence was just so thick in the room, it was overwhelming. <laughs> Sorry for tearing up, but that's exactly what, what my response was at the time. I was just quite overjoyed, and um, I felt this real peace that the Lord was in control. And despite the fact that we were going to have a really, really difficult journey ahead of us, I knew that things would be okay. Um, as time went on, we, we had, and as the baby grew, we, um, we went for a special, a special test, a special scan, it's called a CVS, and that determines um, 
It looks at the baby's chromosomes to see if there's any chromosomal um, damage. And very fortunately, there was none. And the other thing that we discovered was we were having a girl. And as a father, I was really hoping to have a girl for my first child um, because I just love you know, that father-daughter relationship which you can have. It's quite special. So we knew um, that the baby had, in a crude way, body panelling issues, you know, the panel beating work which had to be done. And we, kn we knew that there would be uh, no long-term damage, which was fantastic. Anyway, so we um, gave our baby a name and we called her Grace. I think you might know the rest of the story. Um, we ended up um, getting a lot more certainty about um, the journey ahead. And we ended up spending five months and 17 days in hospital. And we had about another 12 months of pretty intense ongoing care. That all came about because Grace, we couldn't pick her up um, as a baby. We couldn't pick her up for several weeks. And she didn't get into the practice of eating. And so as a parent, when with a newborn, one of the key things you want them to do is eat, put on weight and poop. And she didn't do any of that. Uh, she, she, she did the, um, the, the, the pooping bit, but she, she didn't put on a lot of weight and she wouldn't eat anything. So that became a real source of, uh, of struggle for us. And it's funny enough, we had um, some really, really tough times in hospital. And obviously during six months or so, it's a long time. And, but we had good times as well. Um, Grace contracted septicemia at six weeks of age and nearly died. And that was pretty tough. <laughs> but um, throughout the whole journey, we met loads of amazing lifelong friends. Now, one thing that was really important, we were praying and praying that the Lord would heal Grace in the womb for a start, but that he would somehow supernaturally heal her um, even when she um, came into the world. But God didn't do that, and it was certainly not my plan. I was desperately hoping he would do so. But he had other thoughts in mind, and he had a plan and a journey, not just for her, but for me and for Jen. Um, throughout our time in hospital, let's say we met loads of friends, and um, Jen was actually able to help a lot of other mums um, who had been through similar experiences. Even to this day, if a child was born in Glasgow, Jen would get a, an email from the sister in charge of the ward to say, oh, can I give mum your details, um, which is quite special. And um, we've made some fantastic lifelong friendships throughout our journey. Um, it was... Our, our biggest challenge wasn't just um, in the hospital. When we came home, we had, as mentioned before, about 12 months of ongoing care. And the feeding that we had to do with Grace was consuming about 40 hours of our week. So it was like a full-time job. And we had very little success, so... In the end, Grace was throwing up about 70% of her feed. So we were so discouraged. And at 2 o'clock in the morning when she pulled this wretched tube out and we had to put another one down and she's crying and we're crying, I think, where are you, Lord? Where are you? What are you, what are you doing in all of this? So that was quite a difficult challenge. And at times I thought, Lord, you're completely silent in all of this. Where have you gone? And um, the Lord hadn't drifted anywhere I, I had. And... Um, just through the, I was, I took my eyes off him and I was looking at my circumstances rather than allowing him 
to be the outcome of my circumstances. And just as almost as all hope was lost, two friends from our church who had medical training stepped in and said, hey, we're here to help. So uh, they very kindly helped us get rid of the tube, which was um, the biggest blessing in our lives because when you're sort of enslaved to that type of thing, it's really debilitating and very, very difficult to manage. The Lord knew what we needed even before we knew that we needed it. And um, I just couldn't, I just, throughout our journey, whenever we, I was at the point of just being completely down and completely defeated, the Lord's kindness and his mercy and his compassion was there. I genuinely believe that the Lord allows us to go through things. Um, I, I, I've heard a fantastic quote from Graham Cook that says that God allows in his wisdom what he could, he could easily prevent with his power. And I th- often think of that and think, as we're going through this journey of life and we get overwhelmed by things, our first tendency is often to run away from the Lord. But can I encourage you, and I'm doing it for myself, we should be running towards him. Because even when we can't see it or sense it, the Lord is there and he is carrying us. Um, he, as I said before, he knows everything that we need before we even have to ask. That's the sort of kind and, kind and loving father he is. Um, it's quite funny that um, Grace, who had issues eating for a long, 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 long time, is now one of the best eaters I know. <laughs> and whenever we go out for a meal, she always wants to order the biggest steak on the plate. And often when the server brings it out and sees a 14-year-old girl eating a steak, they get quite encouraged and think, oh, that's good to see. So, look, I'll, I'll wrap up. But the last thing I want to say is just never give up hope. Um, that's the most important thing, I think. You know, we almost gave up hope, but the Lord knew that breaking point for us, and he stepped in, and he stepped in time and time again. So you never give up hope. Thank you. Um, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I, I just pray for, for Mike and for Elizabeth as they've, um, as they've been vulnerable this morning in sharing part of their story. I just pray that you would bless them and that you would, um, and you, you would protect them, Lord, in, in the days ahead of, of um, sort of, uh, if they might feel vulnerable, Lord. I just pray that, um, that what you have done and what you've achieved in them, um, that you would seal that and you would continue to work in their lives and bless them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Um, can I encourage you to, to stand? And um, we've heard some, um, some great testimonies. I, I just feel maybe the Lord wants to, um, to do something in us. We've, got a, we've just got a, literally just a couple of minutes left. But, um, you know, maybe you are on, on part of that journey. Maybe you're going through hard times um, and not really sure whether, whether the Lord is in that. Um, So I really encourage you to um, just to receive from the Lord.